recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios Brisbane on 102.1 FM and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Zed Games. With 10 years experience and over 500 episodes, Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community and culture. Want to reach out? Message us on Facebook at ZEDGamesAU. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Zed Games. My name is Zara and with me in the studio is my cat. This is a pre-recorded episode uh, due to the fact that we are all sort of stranded at home due to the weather. But do not worry, we are still bringing you the gaming news and a couple of gaming reviews. So don't worry. You are not missing out. We bring it to you. Um, so we're just going to hop, hop right over into the news presented by our very own Toby. And let's just dive into it. This week in gaming news. Developers react to Russia's war with Ukraine. In the last week, as Russia invaded Ukraine, several studios, developers and publishers from around the world have voiced their support for Ukraine and its plight. International developers such as CD Projekt Red have tweeted, We cannot remain indifferent in the face of such injustice, and we ask everybody to join in and help in any way you can. Together we can make a huge difference. State of Play Games and Amanita Design have also joined in donating their earnings to the cause. In some cases, this support has resulted in backlashes from the gaming community. After 11-bit studios declared they would be donating profits from the sales of This War of Mine to the Ukrainian Red Cross, they were review-bombed by players from China and Russia, and space engineers received similar treatment after announcing their support for Ukraine. Closer to Ukraine, indie developer Krativo's CEO Alex Koshelkov announced all profits from February and March and 1 million Polish zloty will be donated to the Ukrainian Red Cross, as well as support for Ukrainian employees while they search for safety. CEO of Tiny Build also voiced their support for their Ukrainian employees, tweeting, Nobody gets left behind. Wargaming, developers of World of Tanks, supported their over 550 Ukrainian developers by assisting them to find alternative housing, early salary, and making sure relocation and evacuation efforts are paid for. They also donated a million US dollars to the Ukrainian Red Cross, and when their creative director posted support for the invasion of Ukraine on social media, they quickly acted in letting him go the next day. With Ukraine calling for support from developers, other companies such as EA Sport and the Chinese Room, developers of Little Orpheus, have joined with others in their support of Ukraine. Steam Deck In lighter news, with a limited release of the Steam Deck in the US, Gabe Newell, president of Valve Corp, has been spotted hand-delivering signed Steam Decks in Seattle. The Steam Deck, released on the 25th of February along with the free game Aperture Desk Job to celebrate the console's capabilities. Critiques on battery life and gaming power are rife, and some users are already reporting stick drift. Furthermore, while Destiny 2 can be run on Linux, Bungie has issued a statement that those who hack Destiny 2 to work on the console will be met with game bans. However, Gabe Newell has already talked about the future with Steam Deck 2 on the horizon as a possible VR running machine. Ducks, kittens, and apple crocs coming to Pokemon. 
After the announcement early this week of a Pokemon Direct, fans were already getting their hopes up for a Gen 9 Pokemon game, and they were not disappointed. Right at the end of the Direct, they announced Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, along with three starters, an attention-seeking grass cat called Sprigatito, a relaxed fire-type crocodile named Fuacoco, and Quaxley, an earnest new water duck. Both the names and the release of the video have led Pokemon fans to speculate that the Gen 9 region will be inspired by Spain, and the game will follow the open world style that has become so popular with the recent release of Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now for some quick gaming bites. American and British Sign Language support coming to Fra. American and British Sign Language support coming to, Forza, coming to Forza Horizon on March 1st. American and British Sign Language support coming to Forza Horizon 5 on March 1st. In their 25th annual DICE Awards show, local Brisbane developer Witchbeam won the award for outstanding achievement for an independent game for unpacking. Activision has ended a near 20-year tradition of annual releases of Call of Duty by delaying the next edition of the franchise until 2023. Nintendo may have joined the acquisition wars after acquiring long-term partner SRD after working with them for almost 40 years. Tokyo Game Show 2022 has revealed the theme of this year will be Nothing Stops Gaming, and will be a physical event taking place at the Makuhari Mess from September 15 to 18. To learn more about these or any of the stories, follow the links on our Facebook page at ZEDGamesAU or on our website, ZEDGamesAU.net. And finally, some upcoming game releases. On March 4, Gran Turismo 7 is coming to PlayStation. 80s synth arcade performer Gunborg Dark Matter comes to PC, PlayStation, Xbox One, and Switch. The upgraded Music Racer Ultimate comes to next-gen PlayStation and Xbox consoles. 2014's Quest for Infamy gets a console release, releasing on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. And finally, Tactical RPG Triangle Strategy comes to Switch. And March 10th, Real-time space strategy Distant Worlds 2 comes to PC, and lastly, Submerged Sequel, Submerged Hidden Depths, a relaxing exploration game set in a ruined, water-filled world, and coming to PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. And that's all this week in gaming news. Thank you, Toby, for the news. Uh, it's a bit, bit of a hectic um, week in news, not just in general. Um, it can be quite overwhelming, but it's always really encouraging to see so many companies and studios coming together to lend the support. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of that back at home with our communities all coming together to provide basically what people need. And that's always really heartwarming. Um, moving on from that, Steam Deck, I... Look, I honestly thought that the Steam Deck had been out this entire time. Um, not just because like I've been ignoring the news or anything like that. It's just, I feel like we've been talking about it for so long that I just kind of assumed it was out. Um, but apparently not. And it's already got stick drift, so that's really fun. Very, um, honestly, a little disappointed. Especially with um, Destiny 2 not being supported on the Steam Deck. So, you know, not super psyched about that. A um, little bit psyched about new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I am very excited to see fans get disappointed by the evolution forms of the starters. 
many people have been begging, begging, um, begging the team to keep all four paws on the ground. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to become bipedal and, uh, well, there you go. That's, that's my little gaming theory. We're going to hop into a review that I personally have been looking forward to for quite some time. I'm really glad that I'm able to present it to all you now. So let's hop right into it. All right, Passara. Dr. Ivor Robotnik is at it again. World domination, chaos and destruction, with a crew of the baddest baddies at his disposal. Chaos, Zavok, Metal Sonic, even Shadow the Hedgehog. Of course, Sonic is not one to back down from a fight. However, a mysterious new figure enters the equation, Infinite Jackal, wielding a gem called the Phantom Ruby, with powers that rival those of the Chaos Emeralds, swiftly Sonic is brought down and presumed dead. Who is left to fight the dastardly Eggman? Knuckles and Amy Rose form the resistance, made up of a lot of familiar faces, and one not-so-familiar face. Yours. Or rather, your Sonic original character. Sonic Forces is an action-adventure platformer with levels designed around speed and quick reactions. With a combination of modern Sonic levels and classic-ish Sonic levels, it is full of customization options for your character, absolute bangers for a soundtrack, and I guess a plot? It is a game with some serious pacing issues, a mix of fun and frustrating levels that doesn't give you room to breathe. I am obsessed with it, and now you're all going to hear about it. At its core, Sonic Forces is a fanfiction, where your character gets to save the day, fighting side by side with Sonic the Hedgehog. It is cheesy, it is corny, it is more than a little silly, but when your special combined attack is initiated by a powered up fist bump, you can only lean into it. You have to embrace it. There are four different types of levels, and if you're familiar with Robotic Sonic games, you won't have any trouble navigating them. Well, you might have some trouble, but I'll get to that in a bit. We have levels for Modern Sonic to speed through, you have levels for your own character to navigate, there are levels for Classic Sonic, who is adorable and fantastically round, that has all the elements of the Classic Sonic levels, but with 3D graphics. And then you have Combo levels, where you play with Sonic and your character. Modern Sonic levels play as you'd expect, with jumps, grind rails, and lots of enemies to smash through, switching from third-person view to side-scroller view throughout the levels. Classic Sonic levels are purely side-scroller, with those classic obstacles you can expect. And then, moving on to the levels for your character, they're quite similar to the modern Sonic levels. However, your character has multiple unique abilities, some of which is dependent on what the species you play as is. You can pick a cat, bird, rabbit, and more. There are often some alternative paths through sections of the levels, and depending on what Wispon you use, Wispons being weapons based on whips, which can give you a lightning whip, handgun, drills, and more, you're given alternative solutions to the same obstacle. You also have a grappling hook, and in the levels where you play with Sonic, you can help him make some tight turns and swing across massive gaps. Are these levels fun and satisfying? 
sometimes, but often control is taken away from you and I'm left wondering why they didn't let me do more. Allow me to explain. You're speeding through these levels, nailing the quick time events and then you launch yourself through the air. Surely this is the perfect opportunity for more quick time events, or perhaps with a well-timed move I can navigate this perilous gorge. But no, the game takes control of these segments. There are a lot of scripted events in these levels and they're kind of cool, but it's not a difficult game and these levels aren't long. Having 5 to 10 seconds of control taken away from me really adds up. Speaking of quick time events, Sometimes the game doesn't tell me what button I should be pressing. I see that dreaded circle shrinking. I'm supposed to press something. I go with the most recent button I press and then Sonic is Hedgehog Stew. There's a lot of cool moments in these levels where I'm in the flow, I'm nailing it, Sonic and I are best buds, free falling past missiles, the music is absolutely hyping me up. Infinite is a pretty cool villain with the ability to create illusions, literally turning the world upside down. And your character has an arc of their own, going from a scared citizen to the rookie who faces up against Infinite himself. But this game absolutely suffers from an incredibly rushed plot and levels that don't feel finished. It's fun and it's funny, but not in the way it was intended. I can tell that this was supposed to be a darker story, but they didn't deliver it. I streamed this game for my friends and we had an absolute blast, but it's definitely not because we took it seriously. A lot of the lines feel stiff and inorganic, and it's not like I want to see Sonic miserable, but he was tortured for 6 months and he's delivering quips like this is a friendly PvP match and not like Eggman is very actively destroying the whole world and almost killed him. And the final battle cutscene, all I can say is Ouch. Again, I can see what they were going for, but it falls extremely short. The number of shortcuts they used is obvious, and I just wish they took more time, rather than just writing this off as a bone for the fans. At least put some meat on the bone. However, the music is not where this game is lacking. There are a variety of themes and songs throughout the game, and a lot of it just got me extremely hyped up. It's so hard to be disappointed on a level when Sonic tells you there's nothing we can't do together while the song called Fist Bump starts to play and you charge up the most powerful fist bump in the history of fist bumps and you start screaming through the level and up a pyramid blasting through everything in your way. The sound design is satisfying. I really enjoyed and appreciated the way that the level music would change styles between modic Sonic levels and classic Sonic levels with those familiar synths playing. Even Infinite's theme kind of rolls, even if it's cheesy and a bit cringy. And I think that sums up Sonic Forces. Cheesy and a bit cringy. But it's meant to be cheesy, and it is cringe, but it's really fun about it. And this game is aimed towards a group of Sonic fans who know how to lean into it, and to just enjoy the wicked ride. Did I try to recreate my own Sonic OC? Absolutely. Did I also make a joke character who wears a hat that says Gamer on it, lighter shades and crocs? Of course I did! I love Sonic Forces. I enjoyed it. And whenever I need a quick laugh, I load it up and play through a couple levels with my friends. Are we supposed to laugh at Infinite having a temper tantrum? Probably not, but it's so ridiculous you have to laugh. Is it a good game? Objectively? No. But I think it's a great example of a bad game that is fun to play and I don't feel bad for enjoying it. 
unlike a certain Sonic game released in the year ending with 6. If you grew up enjoying Sonic the Hedgehog a normal amount, then I don't think this game is for you. But if you need permission to just indulge your inner 9 year old, here you go. Make your original character. Become friends with Sonic. Just go for it. Have fun. Sonic Forces is developed by Sonic Team and published by Sega and is available on Microsoft Windows, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Wow, what a insightful and thought-provoking review, Zara. Uh, it really makes you think about Sonic um, games. Look, they're they're not great. Um, I'm still hyped <laughs> about what's coming on the horizon, um, but it is. I am glad that they did make a game that was terrible but also just fun, uh, and I think we need more of that sometimes. My name is Zara, and with me tonight in the studio is no one. I'm recording this from home, but I promised you news, reviews, plural, reviews. So we have a second review just for you, listener. Um, this one is done by our very own Paul. So why don't you take it away, Paul? In the ancient time of 1997, following the success of Duke Nukem 3D, developer 3D Realms released Shadow Warrior, a crass first-person shooter filled with some of the 90s best technology, starring an Asian stereotype, sporting a full Fu Manchu moustache named Lo Wang. 16 years later, Devolver Digital and developer Flying Wild Hog released a reboot with less racism, but just as much juvenile humour. Shadow Warrior was a balls-to-the-wall first-person shooter, which had some great characters and an original mythology about demons from the Shadow Realm you uncovered whilst playing. The sequel would take a different route, however, focusing on the looter-shooter genre and supporting co-op. I don't remember much of the sequel, other than I had fun playing with my friends, but I spent half the time in menus comparing different elemental gems and equipment. I had to look up the story, which is good because the game picks up right from the ending of the last, with the Shadow Realm and Earth being merged and a giant dragon being released, destroying everything. It is that dragon who you and your crew, including your demon friend Hoji and old nemesis Zilla, will be chasing for this game. What kind of first-person shooter was it going to be? The revealed game was much brighter and beautiful compared to the last two games, with alien landscapes influenced by Japanese imagery, technology, and mystical formations of rock and earth. I had concerns after watching some of the pre-release trailers, and my fears were quickly confirmed. Shadow Warrior 3 is purely an arena-based shooter. Almost every bit of combat happens in locked-off arenas with linear paths between them. While interluding paths might have a few cool set-piece moments, there is no real opportunity to explore and no logical layout of the levels, just arena, path, arena, path. It's not my favourite kind of level design and often burns me out quickly in shooters. I don't know if it's the game's relatively short length of about 8 hours, or just how much damn fun the combat is, but I reached the end and played some more. 
This is pure speculation on my part, as the timelines don't really line up, but it feels like Flying Wild Hog played Doom Eternal and thought, okay, let's do that, but our way. Their way has some key differences though. Doom Eternal really doubled down on the idea of combat being a puzzle, but it was very strict about it. You're explicitly told the most efficient method of killing each enemy, and were locked into it to a degree. Shadow Warrior is much looser in its mechanics, which lets you play around with your arsenal. Any weapon can work in the right circumstance. Let's try to blast through the nitty gritty here. You have two attack buttons. One will fire your equipped gun, and the other will swing your katana. Ranged attacks drop health, melee attacks drop ammunition. It's a simple balance that keeps your attacks varied and flowing. You also have a chi blast ability that lets you launch enemies off ledges or into environmental hazards. The arenas are of course filled with such hazards, from the simple spike track to giant meat grinding rollers you can trigger by shooting a button. Not even the largest and most intimidating enemies can survive such machines of destruction. Much like Doom, there is a major focus on mobility, with a double jump, dash, slide, climb and grappling hook that can be used on anchors in the environment and on smaller enemies. Plus the arenas generally have several layers of verticality, which means if you're in a groove, you never really need to stop moving and often don't need to touch the ground. The arsenal of weapons has not a dud among them, and throughout the game you'll get orbs that allow you to upgrade them. There's a set order of upgrades per gun, so your only choice is which one you want to improve. But boy howdy, that was hard to choose sometimes. Upgrade the pistols so that headshots cause the heads of surrounding enemies to also explode? Hard to pass up. The fully upgraded shotgun would be amongst my favourite shotguns in a game. It's just devastating. Along with weapon upgrades, you'll also have character upgrades, increasing Wang's stats and abilities. It's simple and it works. Interestingly, I did not find enough upgrade orbs in my playthrough to fully upgrade everything, which seems quite rare in a modern game that often seems so obsessed with giving you everything. I enjoyed having to make a decision on what I really wanted in my playstyle. There is one more way to get orbs though, combat challenges. There's a list of challenges to earn throughout the game, like killing a certain number of demons in a particular way, and that sort of thing. It's simple, but will give you some extra goals to aim for during play, and maybe encourage you to try some things you otherwise wouldn't. Blasting and slashing is all well and good, but what's your motivation? Well, Shadow Warrior 3 provides a veritable menagerie of wild, unique enemy designs, from the Magura twins who burrow underground with their drill hats, to the Slinky Jakku, an accordion demon that lurches around the arena slinkily whilst cackling madly. Enemies are bright and colourful, with a bit of a cartoonish edge while still remaining gross and dying in terribly gory ways. Speaking of gore, executions! Well, in this case, finishing moves. This isn't like the finishing moves in Doom, however. These instant kill attacks can be performed on any non-boss creature at any health once you've built up enough meter to perform one. Other than pulling off an instant kill on a difficult enemy, the real gift here is that the animation will leave you with either the enemy's weapon or part of their body to use as a weapon. You'll have a limited time or use of these weapons, but they can cause devastating effects. It's just another tool in the arsenal of keeping the player varying their attack style. I would often save up these attacks for opportune moments and completely annihilate masses of difficult foes. Very satisfying. My time was unfortunately also interrupted several times with bugs. Scripting that didn't work and required a restart to the last checkpoint, stuttering at the beginning of cutscenes, and weirdest of all, the final cutscene just didn't play. I landed the killing blow on the final boss and BAM! Credits! I thought, that's a bold choice. I kinda wanted to see where my cast of characters ended up. 
I felt I was wrong and I checked later. Yep, it just didn't play. I'm glad I checked. Also, aside from playing the game again on a harder difficulty, there's not much to do once it's completed. Considering the arena focus of the game, some score attack challenge modes wouldn't seem out of the question. Shadow Warrior 3 is a simple and somewhat bare bones package that perhaps didn't live up to its potential. The combat, however, is incredibly fun and movement is a joy. Story-wise, it feels like a smaller episode in the adventures of Lo Wang and Friends, and I'd happily see more of this current iteration of the series. If Doom Eternal was too dictated for you, and you just enjoy some fluid FPS action, then you'll find some fun here. I played Shadow Warrior 3 on PC with code provided by the publisher. It's also available on PlayStation and Xbox platforms, and will set you back around $65. It's also available at launch on PlayStation Now. Hey wait, that's not how you see Game Pass. Thank you so much for that review, Paul. Uh, it's really, it's really, it's actually really exciting to hear about Shadow Warrior 3 because I feel like we've sort of been, you know, it's been floating around for a little while. Um, and there's certainly been a bit of hype from the studio. So it's really exciting to see that actually come to fruition and to also hear your thoughts on it. So thank you so much for that. My name is Zara and I'm not in the studio. I'm actually recording this from home due to there being just a little bit too much water outside for my liking. Um, and it's just been a little bit of a doozy for us all, I reckon. Um, not this episode. Putting this all together was fine and dandy. And thanks to just thanks to the lovely team that we have here, not only at Z Games, but also at 4 Z. Um, which allows us to bring you all this wonderful gaming content without even leaving the home. So thanks for that. And we've unfortunately have come to the, uh, to the end of our time together tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate all your support. Uh, I hope you all at home are staying safe and dry. In the meantime, goodbye. I love you. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Zed Games. If you'd like to listen to more, check out our podcast on Spotify. Or follow us on social media at ZED Games AU. See you next time. time.